Good morning. <laughs> Great to see everybody on this Labor Day long weekend. So glad you came. If you're online today, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, whether you're live or you're watching this later in the week, we appreciate that you're a part of Harvest as well. Uh, last week, um, I was uh, getting ready. I think I just had said something about the online audience and said that my brother and sister are, are I know, watch. And, uh, and I said, you should be in the room. And I stepped into the Jordan on that one because they're both in the room today. I promise I wouldn't mark them out. But uh, yeah, I just want to honor my family that are here and my sister and her husband and uh, some of their children and family. So that's awesome. Last week, uh, just before I started as well, felt like the Lord had dropped in my heart uh, earlier that morning esophageal uh, issues and he wanted to heal. We believe that the word of knowledge uh, is for today and God reveals so he can heal. It raises faith in her heart. It was identified, uh, there's a man named Brent and he has esophageal cancer and he's believing for healing. Will you join with me this morning uh, that uh, esophageal cancer will bend its knee right now. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name right now for Brent who's receiving healing. Father, I pray he would receive salvation and healing all in one package. Lord, as he understands that you are God of the universe, that every name has to bow its knee at the name of Jesus. Esophageal cancer today, uh, you were named by Jesus that you that this would be healed. We receive it now for Brent's behalf in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. Thanks for praying. If that name comes to your mind this week, just lift up Brent in prayer. Let's look at Mark chapter 2. This past three weeks this is our third week, Get to the Roof, and I am excited about Pastor Frank uh, coming uh, next week. He's uh, an elder here in this house, helps give oversight to our church. I know you're just going to enjoy his word. Bring someone. Uh, he just always has a word in season, and God, God definitely will be speaking to us. And again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. And they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. And so when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who could forgive sin but God alone? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you or arise, take up your bed and walk, but that you may know that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sin. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. And immediately he arose and took up the bed, and he went out in the presence of them all. So they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Lord Jesus, thank you today that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And today at harvest, Lord, that you are showing yourself the Savior of the world. Lord, you still show yourself by healing. That healing power is released because healing was paid for and bought for on the cross. By your stripes you were healed. The strongest gospel message when you walk this earth was saying to people by proof, I can forgive sin too. I heal bodies, but I can forgive your eternal soul. Lord, we thank you. And Lord, you're doing it today. And Lord, as we come into this fall season, 
We pray that at harvest we can say that these days are days that we've never seen anything like this. Today we pray in Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Okay, so today's part three of our series, Get to the Roof. Week one, we dealt with the clutter that keeps us from getting close to Jesus as we come out of the summer and get ready for this fall season. Looking forward, if you're part of the Dream Team, our our September Dream Team gathering, uh, we're going to just really believe it's going to be a Holy Spirit impartation night and uh, get us ready for all that we're called to do coming into this fall uh, to get us to the uh, new year season. We're going to see God do many, many things great things that he's using you, he's using me, he's using us together. Uh, the second week, I uh, talked to you about stepping out in your faith and uh, let God see your faith and ask you the question, can God see your faith? We are not standing at the shores of the Red Sea. We're standing at the shores of the Jordan. We're, as believers, we are to step into uh, the miracle and do what we can do so that God can do what he can do as we partner with him in faith. And today, I've entitled this, Grab a Corner. Grab a Corner. We say it this way at Harvest. This is our mission, our vision. Uh, uh, In a minute, we'll say it together. I hope you can all say it without the prompting on the screen. But people will ask, what is Harvest about? And we're very clear, and we're very intentional. We want everybody to know God, find freedom, Discover purpose and make a difference. Okay, we can say it now. It's on the screen. Say it with me. We want every person that comes into the room to not know God intellectually. We want them to experience God, that he, Jesus is real today. He walks with me. He talks with me. He meets with me. He meets with you. That we have uh, an experiential relationship uh, with, with Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God the Father. And because of that, because of forgiveness of sin, we can find freedom from our yesterdays. Sin marred and marked all of us. In fact, sin kept us from understanding and seeing the reason that we're on planet Earth. When Adam and Eve were in the garden, they never asked the question, why was I born? Why am I here? God laid it out very, very carefully. So many people will ask that question, why, am I, why was I even born? Why am I here? Because they have yet to understand that God has given purpose. And so when we find freedom from yesterday, we begin to understand and discover we were born again with purpose and we're to take that purpose and make a difference. Our find freedom segment. Um, Know God, we really, uh, every environment here at Harvest, we have an aspect in which we want to make God real to people. And our, our Sunday morning gathering, like this morning and online, is really intentionally designed so that you can experience God. Our worship is designed so that you can experience God. Our, the way we preach the Word, so that each and every person can experience and know God and know Him better. But where you'll find the freedom aspect is when you move away from rows and come into circles. And that happens in two places at Harvest, when you join the dream team and you work with other people and serve with other people in one of the teams, and when you join a small group. And this morning, I just want to remind us that small groups are important here at Harvest and talk a little bit about them. Grab a corner. The, uh, the scripture says this, two people are better than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other person can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone 
They're in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. So many things we could talk about right there. Not just physical warmth, but we're going to see the warmth of relationship. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Asking the question this morning, who's got your back? Do you have somebody else's back? Three are even better for a triple-branded cord. is not easily broken. Using this scripture in our story today of our small group of five guys, I don't know how they met. I don't know how they got together, but they did. They obviously knew each other at least long enough to identify that a paralytic needed to get to Jesus. That four other people said, we'll grab a corner, lay down on the, on the bed, and each of us will grab a corner, and we're going to get you into the presence of Jesus because we know that in the presence of Jesus, in the principles of Jesus, where, where Jesus is teaching and his presence is, you will be healed. And so how that small group was assigned, I don't know if they signed up online for it. I don't know how it happened, but they knew each other's face, knew each other's name, and they knew each other's story. And together, together as a small group, they came into the presence of Jesus. Small group ministry is not new to us. It's not new to me personally. I've been overseeing and coordinating small group ministry for over 30 years. And here at Harvest, since the inception 20 years ago, we've had small groups. We don't do it just because it was modeled by the apostles as the way we should do church. That's a good reason, an important reason. Um, really, in the New Testament, there are not a lot of instructions on how to do a church gathering. There are some things that we need to do, the ordinances of the church, and um, there's freedom to express that. And that's why you could go to different churches this morning and even the churches we prayed for this morning. And there might be a little bit different experience as you would uh, worship with that community. There's a lot of latitude that the scriptures give us to do that. But one of the things that we see modeled very strongly is that they met corporately together for worship in the temple and then they split up into what was called, uh, they went house to house into people's homes and they broke bread or had communion, uh, broke bread and, and drank the cup together in homes. And that word communion, they were celebrating their common union in Christ. So they went house to house into the temple. And so that, that is really a given, the two wings of how local church should work. And, and that's a really good reason why we should do it and we do. But we also do it because it's better. <laughs> it's just better. Ecclesiastes says that two are better than one. Say better. Yeah. Overseeing and coordinating something for that long can sometimes cause a leader and caused me to lose sight of really why we were doing what we were doing. I'll share a little story with you that several years ago, I joined a small group that changed my life, literally, um, sometimes I do use a lot of adjectives and, and, and kind of almost sounds exaggerative because that's just kind of my personality. But this did really, literally change my life forever. And I learned a lot in that small group. I had signed up to go to California to be a part of a week intensive designed for leaders with Henry Cloud and John Townsend. Some of you will be familiar as I've referenced this a number of times. I was so excited to go. These were giants. I couldn't wait to go and be a part. I felt 
I was ready in body, soul, and spirit. I'd prepared myself, and it was a small group of leaders going. They only processed through 40 leaders at a time. All different backgrounds, uh, church leaders, business leaders, um, just really a, a different mix of, uh, we weren't all pastors by any stretch of the imagination. I think only three of us uh, were pastors. And and so I'm ready to go, and I'm thinking, uh, it's just going to be amazing to sit under these men who've written, if you know the book Boundaries by Henry Cloud, and um, they have 30, 40 books that are written that just bless the body of Christ so very much. So I get to sit in the front row and have, uh, in a small group of 40 guys and, and, and gals, and have these giants lecture. What I didn't know, and I wasn't ready for, was that they didn't think that group of 40 was small enough. And so they broke us into groups of eight, uh, smaller groups, uh, for about three or four hours each day. And we would process in group what we'd heard in lecture in the morning. And I, someone had recommended, actually, I'm going to reference Charlie Sweet, a good friend of this house and a good friend of mine, had, had uh, really recommended that I go. He had done the program. And... Uh, he hadn't quite explained to me <laughs> what it was going to be like. It was a pretty intensive group experience. And I wasn't ready for that. Um, that, that wasn't what I was planning on. And this group of eight, there were seven strangers. I knew me, but I didn't know the other seven. And uh, I, I, after the first day, Charlie had said, look, you're going to be looking for a flight home, uh, but don't do it. Stick it out be there, go through the process. It will be uncomfortable for you. It will be a little different for you, but you need to do it. I said, okay. I resisted. And, but on night one, I really wanted to get the flight home. I couldn't relate to anybody in the group. That first day, we had kind of went around, a little meet and greet. You tell your names. There were three guys, five ladies. It felt uncomfortable. And I'll just be candid and, and kind of, uh, you know, Roy behind the curtain, a little bit of pride and arrogance. I just didn't think I could learn anything from those people. I kind of sized them up real quick and heard a little bit what they did and nobody else. There was a gentleman that was a lawyer and I thought, ah, maybe I can relate to him. He's a cool guy. He's a lawyer. And uh, there, were, there were other people described. I thought, I, I can't relate. And if I can't relate to you, bad, prideful thought, you probably can't teach me anything. What am I doing here? And so I'm sitting there uncomfortable, feeling like I can't relate, and that I'm in a room with a bunch of strangers. But at the end of that week, I had learned that I actually didn't really know me at all. I was the stranger to myself. And I had gotten to know seven other people in a way that we have a Slack channel that often we check in with each other and just see how life is going. Seven or eight years now later, the first year, it was almost weekly, and now it's just check-ins. And that group experience, and I'll just share a little bit about it, uh, really did change my life. And we want to bring that and not just have groups, hey, September, sign up for a group again, but really understand why we do, and I can't hit all of it today, but I want to hit one aspect of why we do group. Um, and so our whole theme this year has been no face, no uh, a name, and know a story. And you might recognize someone in church and, and, and see them out and about. I was at Independent yesterday, and a gentleman walked up to me who's sitting back over here. I won't point him out. And he said, hi, Pastor Roy. And I turned around and went, 
oh, he knows my name. I don't know your name. And, uh, you know, my face. And I do know your face. But, uh. And uh, I said, oh, please tell me your name. It's Rick and Brian. Hey, Rick and Brian. So now I know, I know your name. Know your face. Know your name. And then to know a story, to get into, uh, go from rows to circles where we can begin hearing about each other's lives. And hearing people's stories can be literally life-changing, especially in the context of being a Christ follower. So we're in group, and there's a lady uh, early on, I think it was the second day, and she begins sharing some of her story. We were processing uh, a relational principle we had learned that Henry had taught in the morning. We're processing it through, and she's talking about her husband, and she described him as really entrepreneurial. He was a fairly intense man. He was very focused on what he did for a living. He was successful at what he did, and I'm like, where's that guy? I want to be in that guy's small group. I can relate to intense and entrepreneurial and success and, and taking mountains, and man, where's that that guy. I want to be with that. Because I, I, as time was going, I felt like I didn't relate to her the most. She was the most unrelatable person to me. And as we're processing this relational principle, she begins to unpack about what it was living with uh, her husband. And uh, very vulnerably, she began discussing how her husband is always in 10 places at one time. Though he's physically there, he's not emotionally available, discussing how he's never fully present with her and how that made her feel unimportant and definitely not prioritized in their marriage. And she got a little bit more vulnerable and began to share how painful that was to her. And the finances that he had provided through his success were not as important to her as the time and the energy she'd hoped that she would enjoy uh, in her marriage. She thanked us for listening after she was done, because we were all kind of engaged. She was so vulnerable in sharing. We were nodding and affirming and understanding, hearing a perspective as she was un unpacking it. She said, I, I, not only do I want to thank you guys for listening, because I felt heard for the first time in my life. In fact, can I just say that, guys, thank you, because this was so safe. Like, I guess that's why maybe I unpacked it all. I just felt really safe here that there wouldn't be judgment there wouldn't be counsel. There wouldn't be direction. There'd be affirmation, validation, and understanding. She seemed lighter after she shared that. Her shoulders went a little higher. She seemed a little bit more peaceful, and she just looked different to me. And two things happened to me that, that morning as she shared. First, her vulnerability confronted me. Bam! Because <laughs> I had my walls up. I didn't want to be vulnerable. I don't want to tell you. I don't want to come out from behind the mask. I like my mask. I've spent my whole life making this mask. You will like my mask. You will not like what's behind the mask. I don't want to be vulnerable. I don't know you. You're a stranger. <laughs> but her vulnerability confronted my walls. And I realized it's hard to have walls up when somebody else is being sincerely vulnerable. I saw the power that vulnerability had for her. And deep inside, I was like, I want to be vulnerable too, but I don't know how. How do you do this? The second thing, and Charlie had said to me, don't wait for the last day to have an opportunity to open up because it's kind of what they do. And, uh, and, and, don't, and you'll, experience, you'll experience this. It's really powerful. And, uh, and, and I'll share later, I did wait to the last day. But... Um, 
The other thing, the other thing that really, really struck me was that as she was sharing, I was hearing her say things that Christina had shared with me on more than one occasion. And I was, I was listening. I wasn't just listening to the words and going, squirming a little bit, because I was relating to him, but not to the high level what I prized as valuable or, you know, that's a good sign of a leader, intentional and focused, go get him, success. But the relational pain that overemphasizing those things and getting your priorities wrong in life. And I, I began to hear her pain, and in her pain, as I was listening and a little bit emotional, I could hear Christina's many attempts that I had never heard the way I was hearing in this lady as she was sharing in her vulnerability. Near the end of the week, because that's, I waited. <laughs> One of the participants said, Roy, you haven't shared yet. We'd like to hear your story. And my story, like your story, has good and bad in it right? We experience life has high moments and successful moments and great moments, but our life, our lives also have disappointments and pain, unexpected things. We experience good and bad in our lives every day, but we also, uh, we, so in, in the bad, life just doesn't always go the way we plan it or want it to. And quite frankly, we are not equipped to handle both good and bad. Now, I want you to think about this. God created Adam and Eve in the garden, human, humans, humanity, placed them into perfection. Say perfection. He placed them into perfection. They were designed to live in perfection. You, that you, would, you would never be cut off in traffic. You would not have people yelling at you. You are perfect. The people you are living with are perfect. The garden is perfect. There are no, no hurricanes in the garden. You're not going to have a flood. Your, your house isn't going to get decimated. You're not going to get sick. Your children, uh, are, something's not going to happen to one of your children because you're living in perfection. We were designed to live in perfection, but then Adam and Eve sinned against God and invited sin and the author uh, of evil, the devil himself, into the creation. And so now sin has entered, bad has entered creation. People will ask the question, why do bad things happen to good people? God must be a horrible God. And we help them understand, no, Humanity and sin is horrible. God created us to live in perfection. We were never designed to have to experience pain and disappointment and loss. But because of sin, we experience it every day. The Bible says that when sin entered through Adam and Eve, sin like a seed began growing in the universe and in, in humanity. And that sin is getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And so if you hear somebody say, I think it's worse today than it was, you hear old people like me say, I think it's worse today. It's, how are our grandkids going to make it? And sin is growing. It's a principle. Whether you agree with that or not, the scriptures state that where sin is, it will grow and grow and grow. But here's the good news this morning. The Bible also said where the grace is, Grace will grow and grow and grow and grow. 
And God gave his, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Grace is we don't earn it. We can't deserve it. There's nothing you can do, enough good things in your life to merit or deserve the grace of God and forgiveness of sin. God's working in our life. When we become born again, God gives us a mechanism to deal with good and bad and now function and be able to live with both good and bad and not split good and bad the way people do who are either immature in the things of God or they're not believers yet. And let me explain how we do this. What happens is life is either all good or all bad. We don't know how to deal with both. So has anybody ever had a brand spanking new car off the showroom floor? Can I see your hands? Norm loves brand new cars, don't you, Norm? Uh, loves vehicles. Norm, Norm's eyes will change when he talks about cars and when he's going car shopping, when it's time to go. And, and his, he's, just like, he's just like, ah. And so he waxes his car and vacuums his car. I was in my uh, brother-in-law's uh, Tundra, beautiful Tundra. He says it's a work truck. There were towels on the floor. It has leather, beautiful, smells like cows inside. Not the back end of the cow, the front end, the, the leather smell. And, and he has Swiffers. He literally has Swiffers all over. And if he sees dust, he grabs a Swiffer and he's dusting and polishing. And you get that new car and you're waxing and you're appreciating and it's perfect and life is good. I have a shiny new car. It's a great car. You get in it and you're driving. It's one of us. Good. Say it's good. And you park it in the backside of the parking lot so nobody can ding it. But you come out and some moron pushed their cart into your vehicle and there's a dent and now life is horrible. And this is a garbage vehicle. It's got a dent in it and it's not good anymore. It wrecked my day, it wrecked my life and I can't even... Ah! Good and bad, we can't deal with the ding it's not a perfect vehicle anymore. It's not perfect. Some of us live relationally that way. We meet somebody. We meet somebody and we fall in love with them. And uh, it's like the love bug. Love, love. It's brand. It's, 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 it's exciting and new. Until it isn't, you find out they're not perfect because we expect them to be perfect. And they're not. They act like a jerk. And then that's painful. And it's bad. And it's like, oh, it wrecks my day. And I don't like you anymore. And I'm going to go look for a new relationship. Because there's got to be a perfect relationship out there. Because I'm perfect. And you need to be perfect too. I'm preaching to the choir. I know. I want you to relate with this because this is what we do. This is what we do. And so we either live all good. Have you met people just honestly, their heads buried so deep in the sand? Oh, it's so good. Life is good. Because they don't want to acknowledge bad. Because acknowledging bad, they just don't have a, a framework or a reference to even do that. And so they just live in this la la. Everything's good. And then there's people that everything's bad. I've met people that have come to Harvest and go, oh, this is the best church ever. First time, best church ever. I've never heard worship like that. You preach like, wow, this is, a, this is church is amazing. And I'm thinking, yeah, until it's not. <laughs> and then I find out, you know, two months later, they're going to another church. And you, what happened? Oh, 
I came in and somebody didn't talk to me and it was awful. It wrecked my day of my life and that's bad. I don't, ah. All bad. Oh, it's all bad. So now it's all bad. All good? All bad. You bake a cake for, um, you're going to uh, a get together and you're one of those ladies that puts the little toothpicks in the top and then the cellophane over because you don't want the, you know, it looks, it's perfect. Say perfect. It's perfect. And then the kids, one of them just is, they just can't help themselves. And you get angry. You're like, oh, you wrecked the cake. You wrecked the party. It's ruined. No, there's a fingerprint in the cake. And we live our life splitting good and bad. I was in group that day, and I shared my story. And like everyone in the room, I have good and bad in my story. I mostly bury the bad. I mostly, yeah, yeah, don't bother me. Stuff it in there a little deeper if you have to. Yeah, yeah, no, it's good, it's good, it's good. No, it's good. No, no, I'm good, I'm good. No, I'm good, really. Until you have an opportunity and there was no judgment, no opinions, no counsel, just listening, hearing, affirming, validating. And I had a safe place to tell my story that day. And here's what I learned. The bad stuff God designed, God designed us to live in community. That bad stuff can be processed and eliminated and it's actually not that hard. God's given us this gift called community. And just like each day I eat food, and some of that food's good for me, and some is not. And so I poop every day. At least I try to, because that's healthy. Yeah? But I was living life constipated emotionally, because I was stuffing it all in. And some would say, Roy, you are full of... <clears throat> and." So in that moment, I realized the power and vulnerability to process is not that hard. You talk about what's bad in a context of grace, in the context of grace, and God built this thing called community where we can validate and love and not judge. And someone can say, that must have sucked when that happened. That must have been so painful for you when that happened. And you're like, oh, I don't think it was. Oh, well, now they should be. Oh, and it's just processing it out. And you can leave it behind where it belongs and move forward in life. And I experienced that power. And I, I said, I, I want our small groups to represent what God intended, that we can live processing the bad and growing in the good. Two people are better off than one. They can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. There are three are even better for a triple credit, or even better, a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Say better. What I experienced personally, I want every person to experience because it's better. It's better. And you can grow. I've been a pastor for years, I've been a husband. And a dad came home from that week, and I, one of the first things I did was gather my family together. And I said, um, I think I discovered that I'm not good at being present. And um, 
I'm sure that's very painful for you. And that I think I'm doing really good by jug- multitasking and juggling, but you, you might receive that as me withholding love or that you're not as important as this big task I have to do right now. It was quiet in the room. My daughter-in-law, who's kind of the spokesperson uh, for the family because she's like a, more like a daughter to me, and Brittany spoke up. And she goes, so like, you mean when like, we're out by the pool and you're in the chair and you're there physically and we're all talking, but you're thinking about the grass that needs to be cut, the shrubs that need to be trimmed, uh, the pool that should be vacuumed, and, uh, and then probably juggling all the church stuff at the same time. Is, is that what you mean? Yeah, Britt, that's exactly what I mean. Yeah, it really, really hurts when you do that. Wow. Will you forgive me? I'm going to try hard at this because I learned in a place of vulnerability. And I grew in group. I preached sermons. I studied sermons. I listened to sermons. I've been a Christian a long time up to that point. But that part of my life had been stunted and wasn't growing because I'd never brought it into the place of grace Sin abounds, but grace much more abounds, the Bible says. So it doesn't matter what we're facing or what we're stuck in. The simplicity of group. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. You can stand back to back and conquer. What I describe today isn't all that we do in group. <laughs> Sounds like a therapy group to me. I don't know. Sometimes it's very therapeutic. It's one little aspect. And we spent the whole summer talking about the beautiful community and all of the things that happen when in faith and we lower the walls and we take the mask off. And and you might be like me that the idea of vulnerability is horrifying and yet at the same time beautiful. And you're not sure of that push-pull. And I would invite you to join a group this fall. You move at your own speed. You, You don't have to share anything. But if you want to, Our small group leaders are trained to facilitate, and it's not always perfect. I wish I could tell you it was, but remember, we're not in the garden. And so sometimes in group, we have to process pain and disappointment with each other. But what happens is when we're together, in the name of Jesus, connecting, no a name, no a face, no a name, no a story, that like, like the man who is lifted into the presence of Jesus, what you'll discover is maybe at some point in your life, you're the one who needs to be lifted and somebody else will grab a corner and carry you to where you need to be. Or you might be the one that's able to grab a corner for somebody else and carry that person into grace and demonstrate the love of Jesus in the presence of Jesus to see healing happen to them. We have a new format this year. I just want to quickly outline it to you. In the past, if you've been here a part of group, we've done something called sermon-based small groups. We would discuss the sermon, uh, but not really rehearse it, but just use it as talking points. Really what was important was the connection. As we, this past year, have been really looking at our small group dynamics, we realize that what we do together is not as important as being together. That the being together is most important. And was there anything hindering us from being together? And the answer was yes. Schedules, um, uh, formats. There were just a number of things. And so the new format is that each small group leader 
will invite you into space, not just in their home, and it maybe won't be in their home, but into something they're already participating in in their life. So you might see a small group sign up. Uh, pickleball, it'll say pickleball uh, sign up uh, small group. You know, I love pickleball. And so you go, and in that context, as you're playing pickleball together, there's also a chance after the game just to get together and say, hey, how's everybody doing? Does anybody have anything we can pray for? Um, is, there, is there anything you need encouragement for? And people say, oh, I don't know. Oh, you're a little, not, not the, I can't do that the first time. Yeah, really, really having a tough time at work. Wow. You think it, and then the third, you finally go, hey, I'm really struggling at work with an issue. Oh, okay, well, we're going to pray for that. I mean, hey, that's your private life, and if that's all you want to share, that's, that's cool, we respect that, but anything else you want to share about that? Well, now as you bring it up, yeah, I mean, and then an opportunity to process in the present, and then pray and believe God, and go, hey, wow, wow, that was a big deal for me. It's not a big deal anymore. And learn the value, whether it's in pickleball, <laughs> or we also have curriculum-based so in the pickleball, the activity groups, and there'll be some of those, the activity groups, that is the curriculum, being together and having fun. And we think that's awesome. Or you might want to gather around a biblical idea, like the boundaries idea, the Henry Cloud. And we think it's a very valuable curriculum. Of course, somebody could be teaching that. You go, I want to learn about that. How do I have boundaries in my life? And you sign up for that for that first, and they're semester-based. It'll go from uh, October, we'll begin the first week of October, um, if everything goes on schedule, and we'll finish uh, just before January. And then we'll start again in February, and we'll do another semester. And some of you are thinking right now, wow, like, I, I didn't have a lot of, I don't have a lot of space in my life that I could go weekly and do a Bible study, but I could, I go to the gym every day. Wow, I could... I'd love to be a small group leader, and it's really important to me. Health is important to me, and maybe I could invite some people to come with me, and on this day, we just all gather at the gym, and they get together after. And so we'll, we'll tell you about how you could be a small group leader and open up that space in your life to invite others in so we can have significant connection. It doesn't have to be weekly. In fact, if you did something monthly, and that's all you had space for in your life, as this grows, you'll see the sign-up meets monthly. And it might just be a dinner party. And for foodies who just love to make food, I mean, if we're making it, we got to eat it. And then experience food together. And on and on this could go. And so creating spaces. And then we also recognize this. And I'm kind of dumb this way. That somebody who's new to Harvest... We recognize that we have a lot of pathways to make their journey as easy as possible. So there's no hindrances. That, that it isn't like, oh, that's a big, that's a gigantic step. We talk about next steps. Well, our small group was designed in a way that you go all, you, you go none to all. And I go into a group and do all of this, and you might be brand new in the Lord. So we also wanted to uh, realize that we need to make community spaces that are easier for people to come into and to test the waters and test and taste and see the Lord is good. I'm sure you'll have a lot of questions and the administrative people who are not here today that they're on vacation will explain all that to you. I just wanted to explain today the importance of group, the importance of being together. And uh, I wondered uh, this morning, just with every head bowed and every eye closed, we're going to transition our service.
You might be here today and or online and maybe you've been here a number of times or maybe this is your first time. There was a man who was carried to the presence of Jesus. I don't know how you got here today. You might say, I was carried. I don't know. I just, somebody made me come or somebody brought me. However you got into the room or online today, there was a man that desperately needed something to change in his life. He was physically paralyzed. Today, you might not be physically paralyzed, but you'd say, Pastor Roy, I'm stuck in life. Man, I'm tired of the grind. There's got to be more to life than this. There has to be. There has to be more to life. And I feel so stuck. I I feel paralyzed relationally. I feel paralyzed in every area of my life. And here you are today in the presence of Jesus. And Jesus saw that person. He said, son, your sins are forgiven you. The religious people, man, they didn't like that. They said, what What do you mean? Only God can forgive sin. What they weren't willing to accept was that Jesus was sent by God the Father, God human on the earth, Jesus, to suffer and die on the cross in our place. He absolutely had the authority to give forgiveness of sin. He says, so that you can know that I forgive sin. You're not paralyzed anymore. Receive forgiveness and begin your new life. Begin your new life without the hindrances of yesterday. Salvation is powerful. You'll never be the same. If you're here today, and that describes you, you would say, I I was kind of carried here. It doesn't matter how you got here, but you're sitting in this room going, I want to receive forgiveness of sin today. I want to receive the eternal life of Jesus. If that's you, I'm just going to count down three, two, and one. And when I get one, just raise your hand. I'll acknowledge you. People will probably cheer because we get really excited when people find Jesus. Online, you can type in right now, uh, I I want to meet Jesus. I want to know him. And we're going to pray with you in just a moment. In three, in two, yes, this is for you today. And one, can I see your hand if that's you today? Just raise it up high so I can see it. Is there anyone today? I'm just taking a moment to glance because with the lights, I can't always see. Yes, thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. Anyone else today? Yeah. <laughs> Anyone else today just wants to raise their hand and say, pray for me, Pastor. I want to receive Jesus today. Well, Harvest, we know what to do at this moment. Online, if you've typed in, join us in this prayer. And I encourage this young lady that just raised your hand. Pray this prayer with us today. Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus thank you that you love me, that you accept me just the way I am. I come today asking you, forgive my sin. I repent of my sin. I invite you into my life. I want to walk in newness of life. Thank you, Jesus. I receive it now. Amen. We believe if you prayed that prayer from your heart today, you are born again, you're walking, and you're about to know your journey of walking free. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to sing this song, and I'll dismiss you in just a moment.
to ask our prayer team to come. We've got some people ready to grab the corner of your life and just stand with you and believe for a miracle in your life. Whatever you might be believing God for, prayer is powerful. And we want to pray for you today so they can come and you can make your way if you'd like to receive prayer today. If you raised your hand today, um, just find someone in a green shirt. We have a gift for you and we just like to acknowledge the greatest decision that you can make is a decision to be with Jesus. Just before um, Christina prays and dismisses today, I just felt... Um, the Lord wants to heal heart conditions today. Um, I just feel like there's a special anointing to do that. I heard the word aorta. And so if there's an aorta issue that you have specifically online or in the room, uh, God wants to touch that and heal that today. Why don't you come and receive that healing? But come for whatever you have need of. Uh, so thankful that you're here today. We want to bless you now. Father, I just pray for this whole auditorium today. Father, as they leave whatever their mountains are, their valleys, Father, whatever they're facing, God, you just, Father, yes. will bless their homes, Father. Bless their coming and their going and bring them back safe next week. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Enjoy the rest of your long weekend.